Back now for another Six Rings and Football Things podcast. I'm Andy Hart, joined momentarily by Nick Fitzy Stevens, and we are going to break down the latest Patriots practice out of Foxborough and little hint, it's not great, it's not fun, and it's not getting any better. But that's what we're here for, to tell you like it is and what happened on the practice field. So enjoy this latest edition of Six Rings and Football Things. And I begin, Andy, with a tweet that I read, ooh, shall we say, about 15 minutes ago that even I, Mr. Patriots Positive, have to admit, wow, it has gone viral since the last time I clicked on it just a few minutes ago. comes from our pal, a frequent guest of both the Gresham Key program and, of course, Mud at Night, uh, NBC Sports Boston's own Tom E. Curran, blue check mark. 5.34 p.m. this evening, Mr. Curran tweets, Patriots' number one offense today has been distressingly bad. Run stuffs, aborted plays, would-be sacks, distress lobs into traffic just to get ball out, beginning to feel it's less the new offense and more the post-scar cycle of OL coaches. They are perpetually overwhelmed. Um, Andy, is this... Okay, uh, that's bad. That's not good at all. Uh, The various tweets uh, and replies from other blogs and Patriots fans alike calling to Dante Scarnecchia, the Wolverine meme reaching out for the photo of Scarnecchia, the Scarnecchia symbol in the sky as if it was Batman, have flooded my timeline in just the last half an hour. So I ask you this. Is this because of a philosophy shift with more of the uh, the Shanna scheme, if you will, the, uh, the zone, read, run, whatever you want to call it, being implemented? Is this because... You have a offensive line coach or an, an offensive line coach, let me be grammatically correct, who also may or may not be doubling as your offensive coordinator, thereby leaving his assistant to take over half or more than half of the time. Could this be because of the personnel shift, uh, getting rid of your best rated guard and drafting a new one who seems to be a little overwhelmed to point? having your former pro football-focused darling in Mike Unwenyu struggling, now bringing in somebody who has the same name as a British soccer club, Arlington Hambright, to try and fill in the gaps? Or is it everything, and are we screwed? Or can I add one more? I'm going to play oh, the fifth side Would you like street. to do option D? By all means, please. Is it possible that Christian Barmore and Devon Godchow and Matt Judon are, are getting ready to put forth a dominant effort on the defensive front this season? That's what I'm talking about. There's the yeah, but I was looking for at a boy, Andy Hart. They don't call you Mr. Patriots positive for nothing. I'm learning. 20 years at Patriots.com. Paul Perillo never taught me to be a homer like that, but a couple years with Fitzy at WEEI, and the homer comes out of Andy Hart. Um, No, I do think there is something to to be said. We all expect Barmore to be, hell, we've we've used Richard Seymour, who went Mm -hmm. into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton this very weekend, in Barmore in comparisons in terms of build and early career versatility and things of that nature. So there are high hopes for Barmore, and I know we all universally mocked it, but you all, all you people, you people, I said it, that tell me Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, as shortly recently as, what, 10 days ago, 8 days ago, whatever it was, said 
Devon Godchow is one of the best defensive linemen in football. That's why we just signed him to this extension. To so a massive, unexpected extension that not a single one of us would have seen on the horizon. Hell, had I said to you, hey, Andy, guess what? Someone the Patriots signed last season just got a big, fat, rich extension. You probably first would have said Hunter Henry. Then you may have gone Matt Judon. Or no, probably Kendrick Bourne, who people continue to say is one of the best contracts and most underrated players in the NFL. And no, it was Devon Godshow. So let's just take Bill at his word. Godshow's really good. We know Barmore's really good. We've seen it. We see the potential year to jump, all these things you're hoping for. We know Judon is a uh, three-time Pro Bowler consecutively. Maybe he tailed off last year. Maybe there's reasons for that. Maybe there's not. That's a different topic for a different day. But there are talented guys on that front. And as you said, mix talented guys on the defensive front with changes in coaching, changes in personnel on the offensive line, you can explain away some of the issues in the ground game, some of the issues in the protection. The only problem is those are not nearly all the issues that are affecting the offense. And you went with Tom Curran as your NBC Sports Boston tweet of choice. I'm going to play his buddy, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, when he tweeted out, quote, Hold on one sec. Let me, uh, you know, it actually surprised me. Go ahead. Offense looks broken. Can't protect. Losing one-on-ones, blitzes getting through, no run game, miscommunication on routes. That's not all on the offensive line. And you know how I know that's true? Because they struggle in seven-on-seven. You know who's not there in that period? The offensive line. So you can't blame those guys for what's going wrong in seven-on-seven. So, as I said in the open, this is a systemic problem right now. This is the entirety, one to 11 on the football team uh, field at any given time and one to whatever 40 it is half of the roster that's on offense and I would include in that the coaching and the scheme change every you don't say something looks broken and and we can all acknowledge Phil Perry is not a hot take artist he is he, not he is not neither is no. Tom now Tom what now Tom, Tom can every be. now Tom, Tom every be. now and again he'll Tom, Tom every be. now and again will be finishing perhaps you know uh, finishing a bottle and go, ah, what the hell? And he'll stuff like a little rag in the top and he'll throw like a, a one-quarters Molotov cocktail at something just because he likes to watch the world burn and be a little bit playful. He's got that playful, he's got that playful spirit about him. Phil yeah. Perry, handsome Phil, the hunter. senator, he just likes to play it straight. Like Phil is, yep. Phil, the equivalent of Phil on the beat is like a nice 275-yard drive down the middle. You didn't try to hit it as far as you could, but you also didn't necessarily play it safe. You were just right and true to right. the club. That's what Phil does. He just called the offense broken tonight because they are in practice, whatever it is, 10, uh, 9, 10, 11, 10, I think. Yeah. Um, and it looks like the, the funny thing is this is what it's looked like. You know, we've talked about it on the Six Rings podcast. All the hits I've done, it's it's like you keep saying that phrase. Well, it's only day seven. It's only day six. It's only, you know, it's only their fifth session in pads. They haven't had a good practice in pads yet. Quite frankly, they have not, not had a, not good a practice single one. Pads. No, and not a single one. Some of that could be the offensive line, defensive line matchups. But I just that the problems run deeper than that. And the frustration is growing. You've seen it with Mac. You know, I know Joe Judge chewed out Kendrick Bourne at one point in this evening's practice. The frustration is going to grow. And somebody tweeted me earlier and I knew we would get it. I knew we would absolutely get the. Bill treats it like it's the extension of the preseason. Wake me up in October if they still st- – well, it may be too late at that point. If they still stink and they can't do anything offensively, it's probably too late because that's a dated idea. This is a team that most people believe 
Vegas, eight and a half wins. It's it's a team that's going to be right. If they make the playoffs, it'll be because they're on right on the cusp. Wild card, they're competing probably to the end. You can't afford to use, as the tweeter said to me, the first four or five games of the year to figure it out. If you figure it out for four or five games, you will be looking up at the rest of maybe not only the AFC conference, maybe your division. So <laughs> it's not time to push the panic button. I keep hearing people tell me that. Not time to push the panic button, but if you're not worried right now, you're not paying attention. Andy, two other people who are so far from hot take artists. In fact, they are they are right as rain, they are dependable, and they are people both uh, newer to the scene uh, as well as stalwarts of the Patriots reporting front. Uh, my guy Keegan Stifle used to be with Pat's Pulpit, now works with Nesson. He tweeted out 40 minutes ago, as the old saying goes, quote, if it ain't broke, don't trade away Shaq Mason, swap your two tackles, and completely change the system under a coach who made his name on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I got that. Uh, that doesn't really fit on a T-shirt, but I'll see if I can get that printed up in time for September 11th. And Mike Reese. Mike Reese. Ready? Uh, this uh, 50 minutes ago. Uh, so he was right in the middle of the 4 to 6 p.m. Patriots practice number 10. I think it's the fifth in, in uh, fifth or sixth, perhaps, in helmets and pads. Mike wrote, a thought after watching the Patriots offense, look efficient in 7-on-7, seven seven, but struggle notably in multiple 11-on-11s. Might be time to give Dante Skarnecchia a call for an independent evaluation. I mean, these are people who live and die by the Patriots, who make their living watching them, analyzing them, sharing their thoughts, uh, you know, gauging the abilities, the progress of the team that we love we talk about and we build our professional, if not sometimes personal lives around. If everybody we like, if everybody we trust, if everybody we sit on Media Hill with, if everybody we read on the timeline from home, retweet, quote tweet, and comment along with is saying the same thing. At what point is everyone else true? At what point is everyone else right? And maybe internally it's time to, I don't know, ring a bell, make a call, or you said don't hit the panic button. But start to make some changes. I know this is the period of evaluation where we have to test things out. And if they're testing out a bunch of things that aren't going to work, they could scrap it. But, dude, I'll say this, and then we got to trend, uh, pay some bills, and we'll come back and keep this going. Last year at this time, you had a ton, a, a, a veritable plethora, an inundation, a wave of new talent, new receivers, new some new linemen. You had a virtually brand-new defensive line, save for... Larry Guy, you had new players all over the ball alongside some veteran stalwarts of previous double dynastic past. Were there any tweets? Were there any reports of, oh, boy, who paid these guys? Or what the hell's going on out here? Or what an absolute mess. Time to call a coach that retired a few years ago and come in and fix this disaster. No, there I've weren't. I've never seen anything like it. The only thing, as Giardi brought up on Saturday, was the Tim Tebow reps when he was here. And when you're oh. comparing Mac Jones and the quarterbacks to Tim Tebow reps, that tells you how bad it is. And I know most of the time I was watching Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels, but that's kind of the point. You're not watching Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels anymore. You're watching this, and this doesn't look nearly good enough. The questions of Patriots past used to be, is Edelman healthy enough to last the season? Where's Gronk in his process from the rehab of the previous injury? Where was Tom vacationing in the offseason, and was Guerrero with him? And... Do you have uh, your usual seat saved on the parade route because we're obviously going to go back to and win the Super Bowl? Now it's, oh, my God, what's going on? Do we have anybody that can cover? Hell, do we have anybody that can score? And are they going to get Mac Jones killed, let alone stunt his progress? And so many other questions. That is the only constant, folks. 
the only constant to this Patriots training camp thus far as we head into the preseason. Uh, precisely 72 and a half hours from now, they take on the New York Football Giants Thursday evening at Gillette Stadium in preseason game number one. The only constant thus far has been questions about what's going on. I'll be honest, even I, Mr. Foxborough fanboy, am a little bit concerned. Andy, I used the time during the commercial break to continue my perusal of the social medias, if you will, which was really just sort of like reading into a litany of possible ways that you could <laughs> die because it was pretty miserable. Um, and I'll say this, uh, the one positive like you offered earlier, the the one sort of upbeat note that I could divine from everything that I read was that people were at least saying it was a day, how shall we say, that the defense won the day. So let's take a moment and focus on the positivity of the day in the past week that the defense which we all thought was the biggest concern for the Patriots heading into training camp 2022 has looked better than expected you've had higher levels of compete scrappiness speed and gameplay from the cornerbacks of course the safeties arguably the best positional group on the team have been steady Freddie as expected though there have been some ups and downs from Kyle Duggar you have seen the emergence of Safety slash cornerback Joshua Bledsoe, which has been a very, very pleasant surprise. Uh, the linebacking core of Juwan Bentley, uh, we'll say maybe a little Anthony Jennings sprinkled in. Of course, Raekwon McMillan, who was headed towards a big role last year and now seems to be doing just that after he had to take an unfortunate year off due to an ACL injury. Matthew Judon, when he's out there, looking good or better than expected. And the defensive line, able to stuff the run, get some gap penetrations, and keep the offense on the hurry again i'm trying to stay more positive as everyone else seems ready to punt and say five and twelve season here we go the, the patriots can't they can't coach them up there's nowhere to go if you don't at least start on the bottom if you will and so we'll look at the positive before we go back to panicking and freaking out about the offense i'm actually interested in the defense and sort of filtering through what is good what is promising what is the, the, what are the things you're going to build around moving forward and what is sort of false confidence or mm -hmm. fool's gold because of the struggles of the offense. We talked about it in the first segment. Barmore, Judon, you know those guys are good. And you talked about the safeties. Those safeties are good. Now, if anything, the way Bledsoe has played, and apparently he ended practice with an interception of Brian Hoyer in the red zone, mm -hmm. uh, he's sort of, as you like to say, entered the chat it, we yes. were talking about they're going to play four safeties. Oh, hell, let's just play five of them. Let's just empty the bag. We have good safeties. Let's see what you can do. Let's see if you freak out offensively, put five safeties on the field, because I'm still uh, dubious, let's say, of the linebacking group, uh, the Bentley, mm -hmm. McMillan, Wilson, Jennings, Uch, like that whole mix is oh, still yes. quantity right now. There are indeed a lot of bodies. I don't know what the quality is. That... You know, we can touch on it maybe a little bit later, but, you know, as we go through this week, one of the topics is going to be what are you watching for on Thursday night? Linebackers. I'm very interested to see who's out there, when, how they play in a full contact, full speed environment, because I still think there's questions. But, yes, if you want to stay positive, the positive is the defense, at worst case scenario, the defense has shown it can lay it to a bad offense because right now this offense is bad and the defense is taking full advantage. So that's a that's a foundational positive to build from in August. 
But then yeah, when you hear watch. things like, I, I pre, you are, what else you are you digging got? deep. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, you are digging deep right now, going to depths, bowels, and realms of the excessively positive that I don't believe that you have even scraped before in the afternoons on our podcast, Six Rings, or even here late at night when you join Mutt or whomever happens to be at the helm during an August night. The defense, okay, let's say the defense is making some strides. That's great. But at what point do you think, at what point, honestly, what po- at what point does Coach Belichick, um, um, a spe- offensive special assistant, is that Matt, Matt Patricia's title? Uh, special assistant and offensive line coach. That's right. Special assistant, and offensive line coach. Senior wink, wink. something. He's senior, a senior offensive super buddy, Be- yeah. bu- buddy of Belichick. Yep. Matt Patricia. At what point do they look at the things that they're trying to implement as they look to add some? Uh, they look to update the offense, if you will. If they're looking to make it a bit more contemporary, if they're varying things up. At what point do they look at it and go, we're, we're just going to have to try to implement more of this next offseason because this isn't working and we have four and a half weeks. I mean, that's they haven't still played a preseason game. And I wonder, you can't help but wonder if a team like the Giants, who from all accounts and reports from our pal Mike Giardi and NFL Network and beyond, they're also undergoing a reasonably terrible or they are still ruggling, if you will, during their practice uh, practice sessions, during their training camp as well. Are the Giants the best litmus test for the Patriots as to where they are and what kind of progress they're making with their new installs, scheme changes, and personnel groupings? Well, it's a good first step, but I want to get back to your question. You said it, Matt Patricia. Mm -hmm. We can include Joe Judge, whatever, but Matt Patricia. When does he say, oh, crap, we need to... That is what bothers me because he does not... So, therefore, that question, in my opinion, falls on only Bill Belichick because Matt Patricia does not have a an experience level a track record of offensive install dealing with players what it's supposed to look like you know does it take longer on offense you know is the defense ahead of the offense because offense is timing and I've been this through this before I remember in 2014 yeah it was 2014 where it was till the third week of August before we knew what the hell we he doesn't have that experience and it's like anything else you you tend to panic when you don't have experience right isn't what's the phrase like you know when the pressure's on you revert to your training sort of in a military or a police setting right Mm -hmm. you're not a hero you you've trained for that moment and you revert to your training you fall back on your training he has no training to fall back on and that's what I find concerning so this to me has to be on bill these big picture questions how screwed up is it how long do we go with how screwed up it is before we Pull the pull, pull the plug or push the panic button or whatever cliche you want to use. Start going back to more gap runs and those types of things and doing more traditional Patriot stuff. That question, in my opinion, can really only be answered by Bill Belichick because he has the experience, the track record, the history. Hell, he had the Cam Newton year. He had the rookie Mac Jones year. So it's not like he only has Tom Brady's success years to fall back on. And that's part of my concern with the whatever what what was the final description we gave this patriots coaching stra- staff curious alarming unprecedented uh, just like everything just like every <laughs> just like every uh, i've called it unique i've yeah. called it different i've called it outside the box and like a lot of things from the draft to some other personnel moves that the head coach general manager um head cheese of the new england patriots bill belichick has done i've referred to it as obtusely belichickian this is one of those and it could potentially be another one of those moves 
where Bill Belichick says, well, you know, this guy knows football. I mean, he's coached before. He's a defensive coordinator of many years, one of the brighter minds in football, and a friend of mine, someone I can trust. I need someone I can trust. If he can figure out how to stop an offense, then he, know, then he should be able to figure out how to attack a defense as well because one side of the ball correlates to the other. It doesn't seem to necessarily, again, I know we're, you know, 34 days away, three days till preseason game number one. I don't really think it works that way. You know, I think, I don't think the, I, I, you need somebody who has lived and died coming up with plays, scheming new designs, living to find ways to get creative. Adjusting. Adjusting, calling a game, having a game script. Having confidence in their very specific area because they've been there and done that and they've trained for this opportunity, and that's my point. I know a lot of people... Why can't other other people have offensive coordinators? We have an offensive coordinator. Just because he doesn't have a title, we have an offensive coordinator, right? No, we do. Yes, no, we do have an offensive coordinator. doesn't mean he's good at it. And I'll say this, Andy. I, I said could call it, you we, a brain surgeon. That doesn't mean I want you cutting my head open. No, if I perform surgery on a brain, technically that makes me a brain surgeon. That doesn't exactly. make me licensed. I have not taken the Hippocratic killer. Oath. <laughs> well, a little bit more of that, perhaps, as well. <laughs> I but think you like could fill months that Months ago, when Josh McDaniels announced that he was leaving, it was when we first heard he was going to the Raiders, I was on with Lou and Christian, and I said I believed that Josh, McDaniel, Josh McDaniels was criminally underrated and that people were going to miss him something terribly or at least look back on the Josh McDaniels years as prolific and positive uh a creative professional that that the idea that just because last year he kept the restrictor plates and the granny panties on Mac Jones as he was bringing the rookie quarterback along after he knocked off Cam Newton and lord knows he did amazing work in 2020 given what he had to work with and some of the parts he had to work with my god getting those patriots with Asiasi Nikhil Harry uh, Demir Bird and Cam Newton to seven and nine is a masterpiece, and he should be remembered uh, forever positively and brought into the Patriots Hall of Fame. I like people are just because people were mad about a lot of third and twos to Brandon Bolden last year doesn't mean that Josh McDaniels stinks or that Josh McDaniels needed to go get a fresh start and get out of town. People are going to watch some of this football as they implement the scheme changes, they make the personnel changes. And they go through a revamp none of us saw coming on an offense that wasn't broke. As a matter of fact, it was a time-honored family recipe that kept getting some tweaks down the line in lineage and heritage. Now that they're undergoing massive personnel and schematic changes, I guess shame on us maybe. How could we have thought that they would be anything else but fumbling their way through the preseason? Wait, don't no shame on me. I thought this was a terrible plan from day one. Day absolute one. I thought this was an abysmal plan because... I, I, the world is about specialization. Sports, football has become more specialized, not less specialized. And Belichick's theory that a good coach is a good coach, as he said, I believe at the owners' meetings was when he said that. Yes. I just didn't buy. I, I thought it was utterly disrespectful to Josh McDaniels, who had become an expert in his craft. And I quite frankly think there's been little minor pot shots along the way where they have sort of there's been whispers of like Josh McDaniels wasn't as good as we thought it was too complicated he was too rigid oh we can finally streamline things now that we got that albatross that was Josh McDaniels off our backs I I thought there was a lot of disrespect in a lot of ways to the way they handled this offseason in terms of replacing Josh letting Josh go and this this presumption that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge would be fine that there was no no speed bumps coming, no no train coming on the other side of the tracks. And 
So now, again, it is only a couple weeks into training camp. But to me, all I've heard for years is how valuable this time is. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, you can't make this up. This is where you lay the foundation. This is the building block for what you're going to be as a team. So don't tell me now that this isn't valuable, that we'll make it up, that this is fine, don't panic. No, you look like crap for two weeks of training camp. That's a bad sign for your season. You may turn it around to some degree, but I'm going to assume if you hadn't looked for crap like crap for two weeks, you would have gone even further come November and December than you will building off of an absolutely abysmal start that's left Phil Perry, not a hot, hot take artist, saying the offense is broken. An absolute, and I haven't seen anyone say unmitigated disaster, but it seems like it's trending that way. And if we want to focus on some of the positive things the offense has done thus far, it looks like if we can run seven-on-sevens all season, Devontae Parker has been a hit on those corner fades and the one-on-one jump compete 50-50 balls. And Tyquan Thornton is faster than advertised and has some great maneuverability, lateral movement, cuts, cuts on a dime, and has better hands than advertised. Yep, I like Thornton. Thornton's a keeper. I'm saying it. He's the best young receiver drafted in the first couple days of the draft since Deion Branch. I love him. We have not heard Thornton's a keeper on this radio station in five and a half years. Yeah. The- that Thornton wasn't a keeper. He was a goer. <laughs> oh, stop. hey, Jerry. How are you? Uh, hey, uh, another member, another member of the Foxborough fanboydom and the legions of the Patriots. All of you that are struggling right now, having no yeah, idea we, how to defend. We this honestly team. are. I got I got to tell you, <laughs> torn Andy- like a used ticket. Oh, my God. Honest to goodness. I, I just wonder when the rest of everybody will sort of either get on board. And, and where does – okay, here's the question. Uh, and we'll have a chance to speak with our own Kyrie Thornton Patriots beat reporter from WEI.com and the host of the First in Foxborough podcast. In just a few minutes, he's going to call in in our next break and give us probably con- a continuation of what we've discussed today and a little bit more the news of the day, firsthand perspective from Foxborough because he was there for all two hours from four to six to witness the um, interesting practice today in Foxborough, day 10, I believe, of the practices in the interesting? 2020 Is that what we call camp. it? I'm, listen, I'm doing. Du- when your kids bring home an F, guy. oh, this is an interesting test you're handing me. Well, is that how, you- how satisfying the A is going to be after we get all these Fs? <laughs> just think how great it's going to Oh, boy. It, it was just Saturday was so distressing. When Giardi said, and that was a great interview we had Saturday, if you'd like to go back and listen to it, of course, you can subscribe to the WEI podcast stream or use the Odyssey app. It was right smack dab at 2.20 in the middle of the Fitzy and Hart program Saturday. When Giardi said, there's no comparison, it's, it's night and day, it's almost laughable to compare the talent and speed up in Buffalo right now with what's going on in Foxborough. I asked Mike to tell me, like, please say that this is like the greatest rope-a-dope in football history or that the Patriots are purposely showing you nothing so they can just come out and wow everybody come early September. I don't know. I'm not, I can't. I'm not going to bother deluding myself or anybody else with that thought. But when you hear guys like Khalil Shakur, who you just begged the Patriots to draft, you know, is breaking ankles and adding value, depth, and speed to one of the better wide receiving cores in the NFL, a team that the Patriots didn't make punt except – during a windstorm last year. It's, it's honest to God, it's frustrating when Waddle and Tyreek Hill are blazing past their own defenders, high quality secondaries as well, scoring touchdowns on wounded ducks from the duck hunter himself to a tag of Iloa. When the Jets, they, of course, they had an injury to Mekhi Becton today, but when the news is more positive than negative coming out of Jets camp, uh, it's distressing, Andy. It is legitimately distressing, which I think casts a greater eye and more importance on Thursday's game at 7 o'clock against the Giants as well. And if you don't believe us, take it from Patriots 
beat writer extraordinaire for weei.com a new member of the patriots and foxborough and wei reporting team our guy at katie thompson five the one and only Kyrie thompson what's up Kyrie? i've been better gentlemen <laughs> wow okay so i was just gonna i was gonna proverbially open up that can of worms and say Kyrie, tell me it's worse than we saw it's what we think it is in full dennis green voice or guys it's not that bad pump the brakes and relax it's practice before preseason i'll tell you what hart would not have survived because i i heard him <laughs> talking about it earlier and it was a high school offense it's really bad look okay i think in previous practices you could take one or two things that were redeeming factors or like, okay, this play worked, or uh, you could say they got a little bit better today. They converted a third down, even though everything was bad. Today was just bad. It was the worst the offense has looked. It's the worst Mac Jones has looked. I mean, just, it felt like nothing really, I mean, the, the run game, we knew about that. The run game was, you know, hasn't been working. They haven't been able to block it up. The, they were having their, Struggles again with play action blocking where, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just it's not getting blocked up correctly. The defense was sending blitzes at them. They weren't getting picked up or they were picking up one guy and letting somebody else come scot-free off the edge. And Mac Jones just looked uncomfortable. And, and like I said, I, I think he crossed the threshold from frustrated into bad today. So the, the run game in particular, I tried to spin it positive. Is there a chance that we are underrating this defensive front is there a chance that with Barmore who we all think is going to be good and Devon Godchow who Belichick called one of the best and Judon like is there a chance that this front is better than we think it's possible um at the same time I I just I don't know that I've rated them that way uh I think that all in all the offensive line I mean they have plenty of talent it's not it's not like it's a it's a bad unit when you look at it on paper Honestly, I think that it's as simple as one side of the ball knows what it's doing and the other one does not, right? And so the, the defense is able to exploit some of these gaps and, and, and stack up these blockers because they're, they're just getting beat to the punch. And you know, line, if the defensive linemen aren't getting it, the linebackers are scraping over. It's just they, they're not – the offensive line just feels like it, it just doesn't quite have a grasp of what it's blocking right now. And David Andrews did not want to talk about it after practice. He was very frustrated. And you know, it was, again, kind of saying, like, look, we're, we're all trying to be as, you know, as good as we can. And, you know, it's a process and all that. But uh, you could tell from the, from the tenor of, of this team right now that, that they know there's just something missing here. And they've got to get it into gear. Uh, but to answer your original question, I don't think that it's all about the, the defensive line being good i think it's the offensive line being bad damn it i tried what a damning indictment it is when Kyrie thompson host of the Fir first and foxborough podcast says this comes down to one side of the ball knows what they're doing and the other one doesn't you said that in early august three days before the first preseason game just a month before the first actual game of an nfl season where the patriots are coming off of a playoff season a Bill Belichick coach team. Uh, okay, go way back to like the OTAs and the spring practices, Kyrie. And there were some there were some reports uh, that sort of trickled out. They were a tad unconfirmed, but they were sort of reports that there was frustration from the players back then that people didn't know what the heck was going on and they weren't exactly sure what they were doing. That things seemed, uh, I won't say half-assed, but poorly organized. 
Now, to hear this three months later, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, what have they done from then to now to shore up any of those issues? Or how could anyone not have gotten out in front of those issues that were now almost led to believe, you know, while not actually journalistically confirmed, seem to be true? It's honestly a bit distressing when, okay, so, so obviously from right from the beginning, the very first 11-on-11 period, the first thing that happens is Trent Brown, your best offensive lineman, jumps off sides or false starts. And then from then on, you just have run stuff. Uh, Nelson Aguilar incompletion. Mac Jones turfs it. has got nowhere to go. And, and, and I feel like you can, you can feel it out on the field, especially during that segment. I, I think there have been times where it's like, okay, they're grinding it out. But I, I felt like during that segment, the, felt, the frustration was palpable to the point where you could almost – see the thought bubbles going up in front of, you know, ahead of everybody and just being like, what is going on? I saw Mac Jones kneeling on the sideline next to Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar and, and his body language just almost seemed to radiate like what in the world is happening here? I, I just, we we're obviously not in these rooms, right? We don't know what it, what is being taught exactly what way it's being taught. We can only go off of what we we've seen from play to play, but, it just feels like today was was a turning point. Today did feel like a regression. It didn't. It didn't feel like okay, we're just grinding it out, and you know, it, it's a, it's a process. Today just felt like this team is now questioning itself on a on a grander level. And you know, Bill Belichick talks about it before practice. The idea that look, okay, there's a certain point where ultimately you will have to make that judgment on this offense, what works, what doesn't. But we're not really into that right now. I, I just feel like that takes on a whole different meaning after what we just watched. Do you think there is the uh, possibility, unfortunate possibility, that that the confidence will become shaken, Mac Jones and some of these offensive players? Because it's one thing to, quote, trust the process, to steal a phrase from another sport, when you trust the coaches, you trust the scheme, you trust the history of the scheme. It's another thing when it's new coaches, curious coaches, new scheme, they don't have a history, and you're struggling for two weeks out of the gates. Isn't it only human nature to start to really have doubts? Well, I mean, Max, Mac Jones's feet were doubting everything he was doing today. <laughs> I, I think I think that his, his play today was the most troubling because I think that there were times where he's holding on to the ball, he's holding on, and he chucks it out of bounds, and he's, you could tell the frustration. But today really looked like seeing ghosts where, I mean, he turfed a check down to J.J. Taylor, who was four feet in front of him, just, just kind of lobbed it, and it goes, he was trying to complete the pass, and it just, it just flutters out of his hand. And, and the entire time, he's got, he's got those happy feet, right? Like, they're just kind of jumping up and down like he's running in place. I feel like I never used to see that from Mac Jones. And, and I, I feel like, in theory, right, the theory of this offense and what they're trying to do makes sense in that, you had a system in place for over 20 years, but the people who were in charge of building that system and making it what it was are gone. And when you have a, a young quarterback like this, it, it makes sense that, okay, maybe you got to start from a lower point here and then you build it back up and then you complicate it and, and, and build on it from there. But right now, the foundation is looking as shaky as Mac Jones's feet were today. And that is, that's rough when you consider that he was known last year for being precisely the opposite of that. How does it go from, like, not a single person would have told you Mac would have been a concern 
of Pats fans heading into year two. In fact, as we were just discussing during the previous break, if anything, they would miss the coaching, being in the ear, the guidance, the tutelage, the play calling, the trust, the value, the paternal nature of Josh McDaniels as he groomed and developed Mac Jones. But if you watch his senior season at Alabama, you saw what he was capable of when they would sort of let him cook or at least uh, prepare the groceries or, you know, open the box and make something last year, even making mac and cheese, whatever you want to say. Nobody would have said, you know, well, I'm concerned about Mac Jones doing that this year. What? How, like, this has to be somebody else's bad, if you will, because I can't believe that Mac Jones, with all the work he put in, with all the throwing sessions, taking care of his body, his, his fastidiously dedicated, his almost obsessive nature would have just completely come unglued in one, in one offseason. This just seems ludicrous, if not infuriating, to hear. Seeing ghosts? Are you kidding? I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the hope is that this is one practice, right? It's going to be bad. And, and obviously you had your little players only meeting on the field. The wide receivers had an even longer one out there. Um, you know, so they, they know that this has to improve. And, and again, I think that at its core, right, Mac Jones is not a bad football player, right? This was, a, this was a really bad practice for him and a bad practice for the offense. I don't think that this is solely his bad. I mean, yeah, he, he missed throws that he normally you know, doesn't miss today, and he looked out of sorts. But this is a systemic problem right now. The whole offense is trickling into uh, you know, his play. Now, in the last two-minute drill, all of a sudden, yeah, it's, it's like 80% speed. But you know, then it seems like once you turn the brain off, then he's hitting his receivers. They're winning one-on-one matchups, and it looks smooth, and they're getting down the field. And during seven-on-sevens, when you take the offensive line off the field, then – all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we move down the field. There's a nice jump ball touchdown to Devontae Parker and Tyquan Thornton. If you want to talk about positives, Tyquan Thornton was really good today, right? So, so let me just sprinkle that in there for you. I think that he has, he's getting better every day, and I think he looks like a guy who might actually do something. But look, this is, this is definitely a situation where Mac Jones – the, the kind of quarterback that he is, he needs time. He needs things around him to be right, and then he can elevate it. And right now, there's nothing for him to elevate, and it's bringing him down, and it's tough to watch. It is tough to watch, but I actually think Mac is the least of their problems. But you, you said Thornton. I would agree. We, we touched on Barmore. Um, if you were to predict what's going to get best quickest, what are some of the positives we can look for in the next week or ten days? Um, I'm trying I, to stay I positive say, here. I'm trying to. I'm yeah, trying to yeah, counter no, program. <laughs> I I really appreciate your effort right here, Hart. Look, I I, w- I would say that the thing that should, in theory, especially on that side of the ball, that should get better quicker is the run game because I think that in the end, that's what these guys do. They run the football, and I would not be surprised to see them sprinkle in a couple more of those old school concepts and be like, you know what, let's get back to what we do and get downhill and and bash these guys, okay? So I think that, especially if they can get that going, I feel like there's, there's a heartbeat element to it. Like, okay, look, we, we got something going here, and now everything can speed off of it. So I don't know. I, I think that that's the thing I'm looking for. And, and, and you know, I just I feel like as an offensive line, as, as run blockers, all of them are too individually talented to consistently, like, be bad right? The entire season. So that's what I'm looking for there. As far as on the defensive side of the ball, I think that, I mean, I said, I kind of downplayed the defensive front, but I mean, Christian Barmore and all those guys, Matthew Judon had himself a would-be sack today. I mean, I think that front seven 
is probably you know, going to be a little bit less problematic than we thought. So it, it, overall, I would say probably the, the defensive front is probably going to be the thing that gets good fastest. And then the offensive line, I don't know. I just I feel like there's got to be a turnaround coming because they're too good to be this bad. <laughs> Dante, oh, Dante, where for art thou, Skarnekia? You can read Kyrie Thompson's musings, blogs, columns, updates, and more at Katie Thompson 5 on the Tweet Machine and, of course, at WEI.com. And please throw him a sub to the First in Foxborough podcast, published daily throughout preseason, training camp, the regular season, and so much more. Uh, thanks for reaffirming what we believe to have been true, validating all of the social media we had read, and driving me one step closer to the fridge where I keep the emergency sauce and cigarettes on nights like this. Kyrie Thompson, great job, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Peace out, gentlemen. Okay, Andy. Um, great. <laughs> See, I, I feel like I'm carrying my fair share of the positivity weight around here. I'm just saying that. Uh, Kyrie noticed it. I've mm-hmm. had to carry you a little bit. And, uh, and it's not all wrong. But I will say, everything we've seen is alarming. And maybe most alarming is the way it could be wearing on your quarterback and is certainly wearing on other players with David Andrews pulling together uh, players-only meetings and then cutting his Mm -hmm. own press conference short because he just can't talk about what's going on out there. That is – that's pressure. That's alarming. That's starting to build. That's taking it beyond just the reps on the field, and now it's becoming a thing. There you go. That's that's it. It's all part of the plan. Belichick wants to break him down <laughs> before he builds him back up into the lean, mean, Black playoff, com- play- exactly, playoff competing Super Bowl championship machine. That's going to do it for another six rings and football things. The Patriots are scuffling. Mac Jones is frustrated. David Andrews is frustrated. And Bill Belichick has some work to do with his 2022 football team. And as he does that work, six rings will be there every step of the way to break it down. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at Six Rings Pod on Twitter. Subscribe, download our podcast, download the Odyssey app, or get us anywhere you get your usual podcasts. Until next time, for Nick Fitzy Stevens, this is Andy Hart. Peace out.